Hello, I am Jaren Kai, and this is Youth Radio. We are being broadwaved directly into your head through stupid mainstream stereotypical Hollywood witchcraft. I am Paula Castillo, and yes, we found the four witches from the movie The Craft and told them to put their money where their mouth is and have them broadcast our show. But enough about our Hollywood shambles. We have a show to do. This week, Youth Radio focuses on writers with many handwritten segments with their number two pencils. We will have an interview with the Albuquerque Slam Poetry Team, conducted by my lovely co-host, Paola. We will also have an interview conducted by my lovely co-host, Jaren, with the author, Becca, about her book, Sex and, a radical book for 15 to 22-year-olds. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves and are quote-unquote real, which is get too tired, we gotta send it on over to Lucia for music. Hey guys, how you doing? This is Lucia. I'm your music host for tonight, if you haven't guessed. Our first song is Some Say by Sum 41. Enjoy! Some say we're never meant to grow up I'm sure they never knew enough I know the pressures won't go away It's too late Find out we're different somehow It's too late to even have faith Don't think things will ever change You must be dreaming This past summer, Jaren Kai was busy learning how to read. But after he mastered the letter A and beyond, he read the book Sex and, a radical book for 15 to 22 year olds by Becca. Here is his interview with Becca. And yes, her name is just Becca. Hello, I'm Jaren Kai with KUNM Youth Radio. And you are listening to an interview about a book. What book? Well, it's called Sex and, a radical book for 15 to 20 year old people by the author Becca. And I am graced tonight to be with Becca. So, Becca, can you please introduce yourself? Hi, Jaron. Yeah, this is me. My name's Becca. Well, that's my writing name. And um, I brought this book with me. Well, I'm 52. I'm a teacher, and I've taught for most of my life, um, on and off. Uh, I've taught at all levels, from preschool to post-college, um, both privately and in public schools. And this book is a lot of what I've had to say over the years when kids want to know what I think about various aspects of sex and sex behavior, but I would be fired for saying. What exactly? <laughs> well, often kids will say, what do you think of this, like something gay or or abortion or uh, teen sex in general or... Um, well, all kinds of aspects of that, and um, or try to bring it up in the midst of a class discussion. Since I teach in the arts, my class is a little looser than a lot of other classes, and kids feel a lot of permission to stray into that territory. And um, so over the years, I would just say some nice little answer and maybe point them to somebody or something that might help them, but I'd say to them, I can't really tell you what I think because I'd be fired if I told you. How did you feel not being able to tell them the the right answer? Really frustrated. And it started building over the years. And I would come home to, and my guy would say, well, you should write a book about that. And I'd say, well, I'm not a writer. He'd say, well, you can write when you have something to say. And um, about a year and a half ago, I had some, I had to have some kind of major surgery. And I was out for six weeks. And my guy said, here's your chance. 
put your money where your mouth is. And we got a cheap laptop, and most of the time I was in bed, but um, this book kind of wrote itself in those six weeks, the first uh, draft of it. How did you feel when you were writing the book? Oh, it was amazing. It felt, it it was a, well, it was a really creative experience. It was, I'd get up every day and do my morning stuff and feed the animals, and then I'd get to work around 8.30, and the next thing I would know, it would be lunchtime or even dinner time. I was so into what I was writing and how and organizing and stuff and all the things that I'd wanted had wanted to say and that I'd been thinking about for so long. Um, they just poured out and they, it really, it all came together. It was great. When you were talking about this stuff in class or when kids would ask you these questions, were you ever afraid that, you know, someone might actually, you know, go as far and say, you know, well, she gave me some of this advice or, and get you fired? Yeah, that's mostly why I didn't um, speak my mind. Or my heart. <laughs> sure, of course, because um, I didn't want to tread on either the school's toes or the parents or the kids themselves. And I uh, didn't have permission in any of those settings to, to tell people what I thought, unfortunately, even though the kids had asked me for my opinion and really wanted to know. It really um, it was not my place in that setting as far as the rules go for school administrations and school districts and um, to to say any of those things. Did you ever come close to getting fired? Yeah, I did once. Um, right before we invaded Iraq, my class, everybody was really excited um, and scared and worried and are we going to invade or not. And my kids stopped class one day, it was right before we did, uh, we invaded, and said, what do you think? What do you think? You don't you know, tell us. Do you think we should? And they wouldn't let it go. And I just, I finally, I just stopped class and I said, "Well, I've seen war firsthand. Unlike you, who see it on television or in movies or in um, computer games, I've seen it firsthand. And I have to tell you that war is child abuse, and you have to have a really darn good reason to make it, or you have no business making war." And I just left it at that. <laughs> and I, one of the kids had parents who were very gung-ho on this war, and she told them that night, and they called the next day and tried to get me fired, but I wasn't. <laughs> one thing I love about the book is that you go very in-depth about the emotional aspect of sex, the love aspect of it, control, power, dominance, things like that. Did you have any personal experience with a lot of these things? Oh, yeah. And we all do. I just, I think I'm better at organizing those experiences than a lot of other people. I'm I'm kind of intellectual in a lot of ways. and But also, yes, I had, um, I had a childhood from hell that mostly I didn't remember, but I just kind of knew it was a childhood from hell. Um, and in my late 20s and early 30s, I started remembering it. And um, I always knew I'd had a childhood from hell. I just didn't know what the particulars were and why it was so horrible. Even though I didn't come from it, I came from a family that was well-educated and um, politically pretty progressive and um, politically informed and spiritually pretty informed as well and kind of religious too. Um, at any rate, 
those things were all an impetus, a motivation for me to spend a lot of time thinking over and above what I was doing for a living, um, researching and thinking and discussing with other people the roots of hypocrisy, both personal and in families and also um, in cultures, in societies, and possibly in this throughout this whole species. And um, that got me thinking about a lot of issues where um, intimacy is concerned and the different kinds of intimacy. And also the other side of intimacy, which is what I call autonomy, the ability to be self-fulfilling and uh, self-reliant and self-confident, the ability to get what you need in order to feel good and to prosper. In the sense of emotion, one thing that we notice is that males are really closed off with their emotions and that they're not really taught to share their emotions. Uh, One thing that I want to ask is how do we prevent, how do we prevent that from happening or how do we, teach young males when they're children to be open with their emotions? Okay, I have a several parts to that answer. One is that I don't think we have to teach males to be emotionally open. They already are. We just have to stop. We have to s- stop closing them off emotionally, humiliating them out of being emotionally vulnerable and available and expressive. Um, and one of the easiest and best ways we can do that is to see and be clear about all the ways that we do that to, to boys and men in general. Um, first, if we can see those things clearly, then we can start changing our behavior. How do you see generations of youth breaking apart from the sexual taboos that there are? Because there are many. Well... Some of those taboos, they're very good reasons for, like the taboo against incest and the taboo against child sex between adults and children. Those are very good taboos, and there are good reasons for those, and I go into that in my book. But the taboos, uh, the other taboos around intimacy between sexual partners, adults or teen sexual partners or whatever, um, I see that changing in terms of how we raise our children and their ability to be be emotionally intimate with each other and with themselves to begin with, then we don't have adults that are really closed off and afraid of intimacy later on and have to lie about it or, or just exhibit all kinds of hypocrisy about having sex or about how, uh, being emotionally intimate. Another thing is nowadays under the current administration is you see under the faith-based initiative program is that abstinence only is a high abstinence only sex education is a high priority in high schools and middle schools and in basically any sex education. Um, how do you feel about that? And what are you worried about that? I think that kind of program is the most hypocritical waste of taxpayer money that I've ever heard of in my life because um, there's no, there's no way 
that this abstinence thing is going to work. It works sometimes for certain periods of time with individual people, of course, but it doesn't work as a program. There's no way you can turn off teenagers' hormones. So they're, they are sexual beings, and they're going to do something with all that sexual energy that's cooking around. And I go into a lot of detail in my book about how that kind of energy, when it's um, lied about and, and hidden, um, becomes very destructive energy, especially when it's layered over um, an inability to be emotionally intimate and emotionally um, vulnerable. When those two things are combined, the emotional unavailable and the sexual hypocrisy is a, it's a recipe for disaster, which is, I think, what we have in all around the world today. We're trying to do something about it. I think humanity is trying to do something about it, but I think we're going about it in a lot of wrong ways, and that's why I want to change the discussion among young people about pleasure and about um, emotion, intimacy in general. Does that answer your question, Jared? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm glad you said that um, some, you know, that we have to do something about it because you did something about it. You wrote this book. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you call it a radical book. Yeah. And I think I understand why you call it a radical book because this book can promote discussion among teenagers and among the age group that it's intended for. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really glad you wrote the book. What I'd like your listeners to know, maybe if I just went over the contents, the table of contents, uh, the main chapters, what this book talks about, they should know. Sex and hypocrisy, sex and pleasure, sex and emotion, sex and sex, of course, just plain old sex, sex and violence, sex and power, sex and drugs, sex and intellect and sex and spirit. And then, of course, the last one, sex and love. Um, it, and I, what I'm trying to show in this book is how all these aspects of life connect to the kind of person we are sexually. Um, that there, sex is not some side issue off in the corner and that you can, you know, be a good person in all these other ways and then go off and be a sexual pervert or deviant or, or, or um, a pedophile or something like that, which we're seeing a lot more of, aren't we? I mean, just this past week, we had a congressman have to resign from Congress because he was sending totally inappropriate sexual uh, emails to young people, often underage kids that had been pages in the Congress. And he's a fine, upstanding citizen in all these other ways. But, oh, guess what? He was abused in his childhood. He's an alcoholic and all these. <laughs> My book is about how all these things are related and that we can't ex- expect to to just push sex over and be this some side issue. So now I'm sure many people are interested in reading your book. I hope so. Where can people get the book? <laughs> well, the easiest way to get it is to go online to Amazon.com and um, search under my name, B-E-K-A-H is how you spell Becca, not the B-E-C-C-A thing, B-E-K-A-H. 
and you'll find it there. You can get it on Borders online. Um, I've just gotten a few copies into the UNM bookstore. I wish to thank you for coming and spending time to talk to us all this time. It was a real pleasure being able to talk to you. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I want to say again that I really loved your book. I'm honored. Thank it, you, Jaron. It was completely awesome. I think a lot of people, you are helping a lot of people by having this out there. Oh, that's totally cool. Thank you so much. You have been listening to an interview with Becca, author of Sex and a radical book for 50 to 22 year old people. For KUNM, I am Jaron Kai. Thank you to Becca for gracing us with her presence and allowing us to praise her and her wonderful book. If you would like to contact Becca, her email address is Becca'sBook at AOL.com. B-E-K-A-H-S-B-O-O-K at AOL.com. Now back to our Fabio music host, Lucia. Why, thank you, Pella. First of all, I'd like to congratulate Jaren on learning how to read. Finally. Congrats, Jaren. Thank you. <laughs> okay, coming up we have some Weezer, but up next is one of my personal favorites. Here's Girl Inform, Inform Me by The Shins. Oh yeah. Girl Inform Me, all my senses want me didn't you yeah yeah but you did that was my best friend by weezer and before that was girl inform me by the shins they rock now back to the hosts yes as lucia reiterated before i just barely learned how to read so please stay with me here now we take it over to another media of word vomit and focus on the albuquerque poetry slam team and talk about their glamorous lives as poets Take it away, Miss Paola. Thank you, Jaren. I'm here with members of the 2006 Albuquerque Poetry and Slam team, Damian Flores, Lee Francis, and Jessica Lopez. They will be telling us a little bit about their poet lives. Can you guys introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about yourselves? Uh, yeah, my name's Damian. I am a poet here in Albuquerque, been involved in the scene for the past five years. My name is Lee Francis. I have been doing the Poetry Slam stuff for the last couple of years. I'm a master student here at UNM. Um, my name is Jessica Lopez. I've been doing Slam for about a year now, um, and I'm an um, undergraduate here at UNM. So can you guys tell me, can one of you tell me about Poetry Slam and what it is? All right. Yes, it is a trick to get people to go in and listen to poetry. <laughs> Otherwise, they would not go because most people think poetry is boring and stupid. Now, it's actually a poetry competition that started in the 1980s as pretty much a, 
a way to make the poets accountable to the audience because a lot of poets were going up and reading and just sort of glorifying themselves and kind of droning on and on. Poets can read really long works. So it was a way for the audience to decide which poet they wanted to hear more of. And then um, it kind of evolved from there. It's it's the art of competitive performance poetry. And um, for some for some people that can be kind of shocking because, you know, I mean, you get up there and you got to you're putting out your poem and then you get judged on it because we give uh, give all the poets that get up there for the slam itself for the competition. They give them scores of zero to ten. Um, and so it can be uh, it can be a little bit daunting, but uh, it is it is that idea of making it exciting and energetic so that you're not just sitting there falling asleep. You know, to people that are are writing um, writing poems that that uh, that they 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 may enjoy, but they need to also uh, be there for the audience too. And what's attractive about it is that anybody can do it, and most mm-hmm. people that attend think I can do that. And uh, usually, yeah. that's how we get more poets in the community. The attendees get up the next time around, do open mic, start slamming. Mm-hmm. So it's not so limited to like academia. Yeah. It's about the performance. It's about being energized and having a good time and, and letting the audience, I mean, like really sharing that kind of, that, uh, that dynamic between the audience. It's, it's exciting. It's really exciting. Cool. So how did you guys get started with Poetry Slam? Uh, I got started when I was in high school at Albuquerque High, and uh, my English teacher brought in a local slam poet to teach a writing workshop when she was doing creative writing. His name was Ken Rodriguez, and we ended up starting a poetry slam club at my high school from then on, and after that, I've been keeping up with it. Now, uh, we started a club at UNM in 2004, and we've been putting on shows, free shows. We won the College National Poetry Slam Championship last year, so we're just trying to keep up as far as that goes, but that's where I got my start. And um, mine actually started from the from the theater side. Uh, I used to work uh, at the theaters in town, and um, we were putting on a show about three years ago. Wanted to kind of round out the show to make it a little bit more exciting to bring in some some fresh blood, and so I had some connections with some of the poets in town that I had met that I had seen through you know, just various stuff coming out to the theater and performances and uh, wanted to uh, wanted to get him in. So we invited um, poets, you know, local poets, Don McIver, Danny Solis, Coffey and uh, Ken Rodriguez. We, we invited them all out. And I thought this was really exciting and really interesting. I've been writing poetry for about uh, gosh, since I've been in middle school. So for about 15 years now. And um, and it was just it was just really dynamic to see. I'm like, I got to get I got to get in on this. So since then, you know, and, meeting everybody and getting out there and doing some poetry it's it's a lot of fun um and like i said about a year, about a year ago i started <laughs> slamming but i was introduced to it by my writing teacher at that time i was attending tvi and she let me know about the readings that happened here in albuquerque so i started attending them and um i was fortunate to have a lot of people that um really helped me out and were very inviting like ken rodriguez and don MacGyver and danny solis um and so I sort of got addicted to it in that way. <laughs> so what are some accomplishments that accomplishments that you guys are proud of? Well, for me personally, I think one of the, the best accomplishments was, was um, for us as a team going down to nationals and, and finishing the way that we did. We made it to the semifinals, which is, which is a pretty big feat. Uh, there's 75 teams from around the country, and you know we were in the top third of that. We were in the top... Uh, 15. Um, and uh, so being able to do that, because a lot of people said that last year we held the uh, the Poetry Slam, the national champions here in Albuquerque, and 
uh, our team, Albuquerque, won it in 2005, and everyone was like, oh, it was a fluke. It was you're a hometown, just a advantage. hometown advantage. And we got a lot of there – was, there was a lot of that talk going around the community, and it was, uh, it was, you know, it was kind of disappointing. So we wanted to go down there and show – how how well we could do and it was an amazing experience and i love having my teammates there and and we really we we showed people that that albuquerque is so dynamic we got you we got young people we got old people we're 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 family um that was that was kind of our motto for the summer but the best was looking at the chicago team's face right after we beat them the night before when they were talking trash to us Yeah, they were talking a lot of smack to us the night before that was a lot of fun that happens so that's uh that's for me that's uh, the best accomplishment of this year as a poet and, and as a member of the Albuquerque Slam community. Well, definitely being part of the community. That's it's really nice to be involved and have all kinds of friends and support, um, but also the discipline that um, uh, comes along with working on this craft. I had never experienced anything like that as a writer before. It's pretty intense, and not only the writing process, but the performance, putting performances together, not only your solo pieces, which takes a lot of work, but um, the, the energy involved, the the work involved in putting group pieces together. I'd never experienced anything like that before. And uh, I consider that a great accomplishment that I was able to do that with my friends here on the team this summer. And one of the ones that's not so team related, it's more related to our scene, is that we in Albuquerque go out of our way pretty much to really encourage uh, youth to go out and to read their own poems and to participate in slams. We have so many uh, of our poets right now working in schools, um, teaching high school uh, workshops, working in poetry clubs like Ken Rodriguez did in my club when I was in high school. We had our first um, youth-only poetry slam at the National Hispanic Cultural Center last night. And the scene that separates us from all the others in the country is that we're not a part of any glo- any bigger organization. It's just a bunch of good-hearted people that want to share the gift of writing and poetry with those who are younger and gear them towards maybe their future. Yeah. That's cool. So why is it important for young people to get involved, and how can they get involved? Well, I think um, it's important because it's about it's – about, Whenever I teach, it's about finding your own voice, and that's what I always try to teach my students as well when I'm working with them. And I think that that's one of the places that's just really – it's really free. Uh, we don't censor anything. We don't tell you what you can and can't do. There's no rules on it. And so it's it's an opportunity for young people to get up uh, on the microphone. E- even if they're not in the competition, we have a lot of open mic time. And we really encourage you know young people – people of all ages – but um, to, to get up there on the mic and really find – you know, find your voice, experiment, you know, show us what you can do that that's going to that that's unique, that's exciting, that's dynamic, that's that's just amazing. And it's totally you. That's totally you. And I think that that's really important these days, um, you know, because so often we, you know, we have so much mass media and we have all this stuff of everybody telling, oh, you got to be like this. You got to look like this. Or you got to do this and, you know, follow follow on down the line. And especially because they target young people most of the time in that type of, you know, environment and advertising that I think that that when poetry slam and just getting up on the mic is a great way to express your own individuality say you know what i'm not like that i'm not a a nike generation you can wear nikes but you know i'm not a nike generation i'm not someone that's going to fall down the line i got thoughts of my own and also it's a healthy place to be um it's a it's a fun place to be it's a great place to hang out with other people of their age of youth um older mentors um it's just uh i think it's a great place of energy and freedom of expression so um, 
I think it'd be it's it's a welcoming place for youth. And to get involved, pretty much all you have to do is just show up. Yeah. Come with a poem, come without a poem, just sit around and watch whatever you want as far as your level of involvement wants to be. Um, come out to one of our slams. Our website, www.abqslams.org, has an entire calendar of every single poetry event that's going on in the state of New Mexico. And it's, you know, there's numerous opportunities to go out and check them out. So I say just if they want to get involved, just go ahead and come out. I'm going to amend that and say don't just come out there and watch. Come out there and cheer. It's yeah. it's exciting. You want to get out there and cheer and get, you know, that's that's why it's competitive performance poetry. So, you know, that's and that's what we like cuz you know, y'all y'all can stay up later as young people and cheer louder and you know, we, we <laughs> and get old, old and we people. lose we lose the ability to clap. <laughs> I've seen it happen. You guys aren't old. <laughs> Thank you. Lee is. Yeah, I am. He's the oldest. The oldest member on the team. Well, you're not that old. <laughs> So would you Thank guys you. mind sharing some poetry with us? Um, sure. Yes. Uh, we'll do a group piece. This is a piece that we did uh, this summer for competition. And uh, ready? Yes. Girl, it's it ain't our fault our grandmothers fed us well. Ain't our fault Christmas time meant biscochitos, tortillas, and tamales. Oven bread, deer stew, and pasoli. Ain't our fault Baba deep fried everything in 100% pure Crisco. We remember the taunts we endured through puberty when differences were exacerbated through hormones on overdrive. <laughs> hey, buddy, when's it due? <laughs> Dude, are you getting boobies? Oh. Hey, 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 it's fatty, fatty, two by four. Can't get through the kitchen door. And bruised and beer battered, we insulated our feelings beneath layers. Of, of nougat and creamy caramel. Deep fried, sugar coated, crunchy, chewy, chunky flesh blankets of pure delight. Mmm, sugar coated flesh blankets. But now we are not ashamed of the paunch dangling over our belt lines. Chale. It is merely the prow of a mighty ship looking for a safe harbor. And whenever, whenever we, we come across, across a superfly hottie, our only pickup line is Hey. You hungry? Cause woman, my flow is tight, just, just like my jeans. And Golden Corral ain't just a buffet, but, but a state, state of being. And that skinny boy you're with ain't half the man I am, cause I know he loves like a salad, salad bar. bar. Unfulfilling, unsatisfying, leaving you asking, where's the beef? <laughs> And if being Gordo was a contest, we'd win in a fat, fat slide. slide. And if being supersized was Olympic sport, we'd be all, all six, six rings in a bag of donuts, donuts besides. besides. And when I smother you with hugs. There might be the slight chance you'll suffocate beneath the weight of an, an oversized heart. heart. Drowning in T-bones of love with a side of tenderloin tenderness. And some gravy. Because, baby, we are too hot to handle. Like the cheese pizza burning the roofs of our mouths when, when we, we kiss. kiss. And loving me is like making homemade tortillas. Uh, Long and uh, patient. Needing each other like uh, your heart when it is covered uh, in flour. And don't believe that silly rumor about big boys having low stamina. Because we'll love you from Cinco de Mayo to the other. From Easter ham to, to Thanksgiving turkey, turkey, because we are big, big round, round superheroes. Mildly overweight guy. And poquito gordito. And, and just because we can't reach our own toes doesn't mean we can't reach around your shoulders to keep you warm at night. Because fat really is the best insulator. Look at polar bears. They never need a sweater. And for you, we would shed our beefy overcoats. Give up Big Macs and pork roast. And Atkins. South Beach. Dr. Phil. Sugar bust our frames to a sweet size 34 Levi's. Levi's. But you gotta know that in dietary terms... The waste is not the only thing that shrinks. 
but also the heart, which may be good for long life, but it means I got less to give to you. So keep looking for Mr. Sixpack with buns of granite. We'll be here waiting for you to realize that beneath the layers of chicken thighs and Dairy Queen is the man of your dreams. And if you keep looking around that corner for perfection, eventually you'll make your way right here. In my belly, where we'll be waiting with a dozen roses in one hand. And a bucket of chicken in the other. And we will tell you those three glorious words lovers and poets have uttered since time immemorial. Hey, you hungry? <laughs> wow, that was amazing. You guys rock. <laughs> I'm hungry now. <laughs> I want some chicken. <laughs> you guys rock. Um, so, hey, Jessica, do you have a poem? Yes, I do. Okay. This is called My Gratitude for Shopping Carts. Shopping carts have no shocks, are not meant to roller derby down the street, or clang over cracks and fault lines of old neighborhood pavement, a metal grid carriage ride to a week's worth of groceries. Shopping carts are not meant to take Sunday strolls, high noon of mid-May, down North Long Beach near the concrete monster of the 91 freeway, an inner city tour, a vagabond caravan of food. But they do. The rogue tank limps on as cars whiz by in shooting star color, busy fast to their destinations as we trip along to our self-proclaimed parade. My brother sings the song of grocery day, and a dad-made chant keeps the beat as ice cream mounts like the attention span of children. We pretend to smell the ocean, its salty scent hijacked two turnpikes ago, stare into the eyes of crazy colored houses, careful to keep from the curb, sidestep palm tree bark, steering uphill and through mom's long-winded stories, sidewinding streets, and shortcuts. My parents push on. No need to ponder memories that hinder the stride, our once-upon-a-time truck, nothing more now than a tin-can flower pot, hobbled feet propped on cinder blocks, an aluminum horse shot and left for dead, a house to the homeless, near the back alley of our apartment. Four to our family, eight sneakered feet pound the California pavement, a patchwork of fast color, a pastel painting in motion, the left-behind snakes of light, glowworms and blurred lines of on-the-move. Perpetual motion exists in shopping carts that skate around like a friendly cab, free of charge, in a racing ant farm of a city, a crazy cornucopia in a modern day, spinning wheels on rough terrain, though their safety lies behind the motion detector doors of supermarkets. Shopping carts should have their place in a Norman Rockwell get-together, an unconventional California transit when the bus won't do, an ideal meeting place on wheels, a cumbersome gate that knows its way around the city and the fondness of the heart. Thank you. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) Um, So are there any upcoming events that you would like people to know about? Uh, sure. Actually, one of the events that we've got coming up this next week, it is the fourth Friday of the month. Uh, that is our Blue Dragon 2, whatever it ends up being, this month, electric blue glue or <laughs> whatever it ends up being. But it's the second Blue Dragon show of the month. It's at the Blue Dragon Coffee House, Gerard Indian School. Um, we have uh, we basically do this great event. It's a little bit different, but we got an open mic that's available for everybody. Um, and we just want everybody to come on out. It's, it's, uh, all ages. It's free. You can buy yourself some, some coffee and, and have a good time. We try to add some music and, and some dancing and some craziness with myself and uh, Mr. Tony Santiago, who co-hosts with me. 
Yes, it's a really excellent show. It's one of the funnest ones in the city. Uh, the other show that we have coming up on the University of New Mexico campus at the Student Union Building on November 9th, that's a Thursday, is going to be Lobo Slam. It's going to be the last reading of the semester, and that starts at 7 o'clock in the evening, and it's a free show. Uh, the Slam and Open Mic is open to everyone. It's not just students only, and it's a really good show. We had, for our first show, we had over 150 people in attendance. We had people sitting on the floor in higher grounds over at the Student Union Building, and we're just trying to continue the success that we've had over the past couple of years at UNM, so come down and support. And you should come out, because it's educational, and parents like that. Yes. <laughs> Bring your parents. Bring your uncle. Bring your dog. Bring your Uncle Bob. <laughs> Oh, well, also, you know, um, to change the topic there a little bit, um, there's a, a writing workshop that's held uh, the fourth uh, Tuesday of every month at the Mesa Manzano Multigenerational Community Center. Um, and we're uh, going to have Mr. Tony Santiago come and be a guest speaker and uh, sort of a, an extension of a, a slam workshop to sort of work on performance and, uh, you know, the rules of slam and, in, and uh, learning how to sort of follow those rules. And not stay under three minutes. I had problems with that initially. <laughs> it's a good event to come out to. Yeah. <clears throat> and do a really a, good job. Next Sunday at the Hispanic Cultural Center um, at one o'clock, there is a youth-specific writing workshop with members of the 2006 Poetry Slam team and other members in the community. And that's uh, free to anybody who wants to show up and attend and try to work on their craft. So it's another good opportunity. It's next Saturday, Sunday. That's next Sunday next at one o'clock. Sunday at one o'clock. <laughs> so, anything else you guys would like to add? Peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing my jokes. Uh, yep. Just come on out. Have a good time. Uh, we want you guys to be excited and, and enjoyable and, and enjoy what you do. Um, get up on the mic and rock it. Well, thank you guys so much for coming down here and taking your time to come down here. You guys just live into our studio. It thank wasn't like you. this before. <laughs> and um, thank you for encouraging young people to get involved. You guys rock it. Awesome. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you, very Thank you much. for having us. Thank you to the beautiful Jessica Lopez, the ultra awesome Damian Flores, and my really, really good friend Lee Francis of the Albuquerque Poetry Slam team for allowing us to kidnap them and interrogate, I mean, interview them legally live on air. Now back to Miss Tri-County 1968 runner-up herself, Miss Lucia Martinez. Why, thank you, Jaren. Next up is one of my favorite local bands. Here is Misled, that is M-S dot L-E-D, with Think of Me, off their album, Afternoon in Central Park. all of you youth radio groupies. Yes, it's Lucia. Again. I'm your calendar host for the evening, so stay tuned for all those rad events that you're always looking forward to. Woot woot. Okay. On October 25th at 7pm, Richard Chapman will discuss the Otero Mesa. This will be held at UNM's Anthropology Lecture Hall number 163. The number for more information is 277-5963. The Halloween and Celtic New Year celebration will be held on October 28th from 7 to 11 p.m. 
There will be costume prizes, door prizes, surprises, and dance music by one night stand. The number for more information and to reserve a table is 298-2798. On Tuesday, October 24th from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m., UNM students will perform staged readings of historic works of diverse Latino playwrights. This will be held at the Center for the Arts in the Experimental Theater. The number for more factual information is 277-4332. The University of Baltimore is launching the UB First Scholars Program, which offers every freshman who enrolls in the fall of 2007 a one-year scholarship covering all out-of-pocket tuition and fee expenses. Information is available at www.ubalt.edu. Congrats to our good friends Mescla Experience for releasing their new CD. Their CD release party is on Saturday, November 11th at 8 p.m. at Auchanda Performance Space. The number for more information is 255-9321. South Valley's fall tradition of burning the Kukui effigy will take place on Sunday, October 29th at the Little League Fields at Harrison Middle School. The design for this year's Kukui was created by Natalka Georgievova, a fifth-grade student at Adobe Acres Elementary School. Community dance classes are now being held at the National Hispanic Cultural Center. On November 18th at 1 p.m., you can Afro-Cuban rumba with Pilar Lito. At 2 p.m., you can do the Argentine Tango Milonga with Nicolasa Chavez. And at 4 p.m., you can Afro-Brazilian Parade Samba with the Albuquerque Samba School. The number for more information and class listings is 246-2261. If there are any events you would like us to announce on Youth Radio, please send them to us at youthradio at kunm.org. Thanks, and now back to our lovely hosts. Before we start tonight's credits, Youth Radio would like to thank the many people who contributed money to KUNM this past week. Also, to the volunteers who donated time to KUNM. We at Youth Radio thank you. Now on to the credits. Okay, everyone. The sad, sad time has come to announce the credits. Yes, of course. The time has come indeed to recognize those that make this program happen. Our organized and lovely producer was Diana Baron Moore. Our awesome and cool engineer was Marshall Lawn. The so amazing Lucia took double roles this week as calendar host and music host. The Poetry Slam interview was done by my lovely co-host Paula. And thanks to, again to Jessica Lopez, Lee Francis, and Damian Flores. Thanks to Sharon for conducting the interview with Becca. And special thank you to Becca for allowing us to interview her. Other members of the Youth Radio Collective are Kyle Ferris, Micah Harley, and Vikra Lucky. Our adult conspirators are Steve Emmons, Roman Garcia, Rob- Roberta Rayel, Elizabeth Dreyer, and Marcos Martinez. That was your youth radio show for this week. I am your host, William Chandler. I mean, Jaren Kai. And I am your co-host, Paula Castillo. Remember to tune in next week for more of youth radio. And now here's the Seattle Rocker World with more music once Yay. again. Sadly, the show has come to an end. Our last song for tonight is Well in New York by Miss Led. Next up is Spoken Word. Have a great week.